Welcome to the Horse Business Podcast. Today, I am so honored to have Thomas Barr as our guest. Thomas is the director of sports at the Adequan Global Dressage Festival. He's one of the world's top dressage organizers who runs shows in Europe and in the United States. Hi, Thomas. Hi, thank, Doris. Thank, thank you thank so much for, for joining us today. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? No problem. It's a so beautiful day today, yeah. I'm sure. Finally. So we just want to learn a little bit more about you and uh, about the, the organization. And um, so can you share a little bit more about your background in the in the question world and how, how do you get got involved into organizing sports shows and uh, particularly in research? Yeah, I um, started working for uh, an event management company many, many years ago, and um, they did mainly sport events. So. Um, what, and one of these events were a horse show, uh, the Stuttgart German Masters. Uh, and that's how I came into uh, the horse show uh, business. And I was very lucky because uh, early on I met someone, uh, and we are still friends till today, uh, Isabel Wert. And she particularly brought me into the dressage world, so, uh, but I've also done jumping and driving and eventing and uh, but in these days it's more or less only dressage. Nice, nice, that's great. So can you tell us about the unique aspects and challenges uh, of organizing uh, the Adequan Global Dressage Festival? Yeah, I think it is uh, a very unique thing in the world uh, having uh, all these uh, CDI and CPEDIs uh, in one place over three months. Uh, that doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, we are doing uh, one CDI five star, one CDIO, um, two CDI four stars, and three CDIWs, World Cup qualifiers. Uh, together we with um, two CPEDIs, uh, three star. That's uh, these are the para shows. One we have this week and uh, one in week nine. Uh, the challenges uh, of this is that. Um, we are preparing uh, shows while we are doing shows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is something uh, very unique. And uh, in, in, in Europe, you, you have one show a week right. uh, and then you move on to the next one, but it's in different places in different countries. And, uh, and here it happens all in, in one place and uh, in one uh, time frame. So uh, the challenge is really dealing with all the numbers here on the national side and the CDI side uh, while we are already preparing <laughs> the next week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's crazy and it's, yeah, it's, a, it's really a short period of time where everything happened. Yeah. So it doesn't really leave much room. Yeah, and, and I, uh, I mean, I, I was coming here 10 years ago from Europe and um, uh, that was really something I needed to learn because yeah. it, it, it in Europe, I, I was used to do a couple of shows a year and preparing these shows for a long time. Uh, but here it's completely different. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, so yeah, talking about that, I mean, do you direct and organize shows not only in, in the US, but also in Europe. So how does your approach changes or how to organize the events? How does it differ in between the regions and what unique elements? I mean, the... Um, the 
the biggest difference uh, uh, between the shows in in North America and especially in the United States and in Europe is uh, here it is really an industry thing mm -hmm. um, big show organizers running for a long longer time period uh, and in Europe uh, it's really uh, uh, individual organizers who are doing one shows a year and I I come in and, and help them organizing the shows uh, on the sport side, uh, so it's uh, it's a completely different approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is a different type of organizations. Yeah. So, can you share with us how long have you been involved with um, ADG, AGDF, and um, how do you see how, how do you see it evolve through the year? Uh, I came here first in in 2014. Mm. Uh, the venue was built. 2011, 2012, and they had a kind of a season in 2012. I think it was three or four CDIs, uh, and then they um, acquired some licenses, some more licenses. Um, and uh, in 2013, it was kind of a first uh, a full season, uh, and then they were looking for someone who could uh, help them running it. So I came here in 2014, and it's my tenth year now. Wow. Yeah. Your anniversary. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> nice. Nice. And um, yeah, over the years, uh, especially in the beginning, uh, I, I saw a significant growth mm -hmm. uh, from year to year. And um, especially the years when there are Pan American Games or, or Olympic Games, then, then it's really big. I've seen a lot of improvements. Uh, I also have seen significant growth in numbers. Uh, the past couple of years, we are kind of a plateau, but on a very high level. Uh, 700, approximately 700 uh, uh, international entries and over, way over 2,000 on the, on the national side in these um, three months. Wow. Ten, 10 shows in total, as I said, seven CDIs, two CPEDIs. Uh, and yeah, it's... Uh, it's a con and it's a, we always try to make things better every year. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really something here. So what changes and, and trends do you anticipate in the future of equestrian events? Um, well, I mean, we have to focus now, uh, uh, more and more. I mean, we also did in the past, but, uh, now it's even more crucial, uh, is the welfare of the horse. Mm -hmm. Um, there are um, many studies in many different uh, aspects of, uh, of our sport uh, where the, um, the scientific people telling us uh, uh, where the improvement needs to go. Uh, and I think we, we need to focus on that. And uh, uh, every party involved in, 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 in dressage uh, needs to look uh, in their area where they can can improve uh, uh, the welfare aspect. I mean, we have come a long way already. Mm -hmm. uh, if I look back uh, 30 or more years, <laughs> uh, it was completely different. But still, um, we are under scrutiny and uh, uh, we need to do the right thing. Right. And everybody involved needs to do the right thing. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very important, the, wel the welfare of the horses for sure. So through your career, oh, you said 30 years, 
What are some of the most uh, memorable moments or events that uh, that stand out uh, for you and why? Well, there are, there are three, and all related to big championships. Uh, uh, in 1906 at the Olympics in Atlanta when uh, Isabel won gold with double gold with Gigolo. Mm. Uh, that was, I mean, yeah, I very, so. very memorable. Right. Uh, and then in 2009 in, uh, in Windsor at the European Championships when we thir first saw Totilas right. uh, at, uh, at the big championship, uh, that was also a, a moment of... Uh, uh, memorable <laughs> great great memory uh, and then it, it it was just what nothing what we have seen before so uh, I think that changed also a lot uh, uh, in in the dressage world mm -hmm. and then um, I was personally involved um, the comeback of uh, of Belarus in 2018 and uh, the two world championships Isabel won in Tryon uh yeah these are the three most uh memorable moments, memorable moments for nice. me nice yes are very important so technology has become increasingly uh integrated equestrian events we, we see the equestrian hub we see the, the the judges the uh public judges so how has impacted the organization experience of the of the show or to side shows all over the world uh i always say um that uh we have arrived in the 21st century, um, and I was heavily involved in uh, in creating uh, the e-dressage system, the the paperless uh, uh, judging system. The first idea was created here in Wellington in 2018, and uh, then we had some test events in Europe. And the first really real implementation of it was here in 2019. That was the first season was completely run. Uh, um, paperless and uh, with e-dressage and then we also have uh, uh, created now an entry system uh, called Equestrian Hub um, uh, to have everything in one place for the athletes. Uh, they have their score sheets, they have their statistics, they have their can do their entries uh, through that system so uh, that has been used last year for the first time here in Wellington uh, but we still uh, are on on work working on a lot of improvements. Um, but this is something which really has uh, impacted in the way you run shows, and um, not only big CDIs, but also we use it now the national side. Uh, all is done through through the iPads, and uh, it also reduces our our number of staff, which is. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, saves us some money there. Yeah. Um, but overall, yeah, I think that's that's the way uh, uh, which is go where it's going, and um, also the um, live stream. I mean, every yeah. more or less every single yeah. show is live streamed now, mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's m most of the time a good thing, but. Sometimes it's not such a good thing, but <laughs> that's how it is. I mean, it is open to the public either way, so anybody can be here. Yeah. But well, well, but yes, that's uh, that's good that it brings it that it brings more awareness of yeah. the sport yeah. and more openness. So, 
collaboration between organizers and writers it, is really important. So how do you ensure that open communication and collaboration between uh, or the organizing team yourself and the writer? So I'm, I'm always present during show days for sure, but also on when we have schooling days here and and I'm I'm always there for the riders because these are our customers and and if the sport is hard enough so a lot of riders have uh, uh, have issues with logistics or entering and 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 I I'm I'll be always approached and and asked what what I think what they should do and uh, the recent example is uh, we are adding now another CDI here in the U.S. Uh, in May um, in Terra Nova uh, for for the Olympic qualification. Uh, so the riders came up to me beginning of the season and said, "Look, we we running a bit out of time, and then can we do something before our closing date uh, for the longest going to Europe?" Um, and yeah, that is the kind of uh, of communication I, I'm having constantly with with the with the writer. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Are you were you a writer yourself? I'm married to one. If that huh? counts, <laughs> sure, that counts. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So, do you have um, any advice for those aspiring to become successful equestrian event organizers? I mean, those are and starting or maybe thinking about it. Well. The first thing is you have to be passionate, passionate about horses, passionate about dressage. Um, and if you have um, organizing skills uh, and you are ready to do uh, the customer service, um, then you should look into it. And uh, uh, I'm, I think we are lucky at the moment. We have a lot of uh, new show managers in the U.S. coming up, so um, there is also some progress and um, I can I can tell everyone if you if you love to do this and if you are if you have the skills, come join Passionate us. And commitment for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we have a, a passion for environmental sustainability and um, do you have some ideas or suggestions on how questions and, and work shows can embrace this environmental sustainability. Are, are there any specific measure initiatives that that you have seen that are important in this uh, ensuring these events are conducted in more environmental sustainability manner? manner? Um, you know that's not really my my area yeah. of expertise, yeah. um, but I know that we have to uh, do our part in uh, in being uh, environmentally sustainable, mm -hmm. uh, and we have already some role models of shows in Europe. Uh, yeah. uh, I know Helsinki, for example, comes to mind. Uh, the indoor show, they are they are heavily already doing things and also Arken is, uh, is on the way. And uh, Wellington Equestrian, uh, Wellington International uh, uh, has partnered now with uh, Carbon Hoofprints. Uh, and uh, we're looking into the things which can be done uh, to to do our part. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like on on week six, they're having some type of event. Mm, and yeah, they have some yeah. solar. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And some yeah. water refilling and, and I think, especially in this part of the world, uh, there is a lot of things they can be done. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. I, I I think in Europe we are a little further ahead on that. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I think that's because yeah, they see the, the what the consequences yeah. right there. Yeah, in the yeah. 
yeah. want to know something yeah. about it for sure. So um, thank you, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. It's been very fun to learn more about you and learn more about the organization. Thank so you so much. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We hope you enjoy it. Please remember to follow us, subscribe, and leave us a review. If you are interested in joining us as a guest or sponsor one of our episodes, feel free to email us at thehorsebusinesspodcast at gmail.com. And if you're looking for ways to make your horse operation more sustainable and environmentally friendly, you can reach out to us at horsebusinessmanagement at gmail.com or check out our website at www.horsebusinessmanagement.com and follow us on Instagram to get the latest updates. Goodbye.